want to share today a message that God has laid on my heart. I don't have time to go into it and read it, but in 1 Samuel 30, there's this story. I preached on it many times. It's the story of David at Ziglag. What happened at Ziglag was a fire that burned down his house and everything that he had. The Amalekites kidnapped his family. It was the lowest point in David's life. His men spoke of stoning him. They had followed him all their life. David, I believe, at that moment was suffering from post-traumatic stress. Seriously. Let me just give you a lead up to it. When he was a teenager, his own father didn't believe in him. His father had eight sons. And when the prophet came and said, one of your boys is going to be king of Israel, he called for all the boys to be considered and looked at, except for David. He left David in the field because the father didn't even believe in his son named David. Jesse, the father, didn't believe in his son named David. He said he's not, he made up his mind that he was not king material. These other boys are talented and gifted, but that one will never amount to anything. Not only that, but when he finally made it to the palace as a musician to play for King Saul, he suffered tremendous workplace harassment when spears started coming at him because the king became jealous. David thought to himself, I know how I'll fix this. I'll marry the king's daughter because marriage fixes everything. Only to complicate his already complicated family dynamic of a father-in-law who hated him. Now he married the daughter of that king. And the Bible said that she despised him and she criticized him continually every day of his life, mocking him and criticizing him, doing it publicly. I don't mind if Sharice tells me private things, but when she does it in public, it embarrasses me. And I'm sure I embarrass her a lot. But do you understand what I'm saying? What is going on? And then on top of that, the Bible tells us that they had a son or a daughter and the daughter was molested by a family member. Post-traumatic stress. The, the power, the pain of when a family goes through something like that. If that's not enough, they had a son and the son rose in a takeover attempt of the, of, of the kingdom and was killed in the process. Family fighting family. Family attacking family in the middle of all of this trouble. If that were not enough, after family fights family and all of this stuff, David in post-traumatic stress, after losing everything and his house burning down, problem after problem, setback after setback, I think on a bad day, The enemy called him at an amazing weak time and David commits adultery. David kills the, has killed the husband of the woman that he committed adultery with and got pregnant. He hits the lowest point in his life and it's in that moment there at Ziglag when He's finally at the zenith of, of, of all the crisis, one after another, setback after setback after setback. And now he's at the lowest day when the, when the ashes are there. His family has been kidnapped. His home is burned to the ground. His men are speaking of stoning him. 
The Bible said that David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. He encouraged himself. Isn't it amazing that, that he was going through the same thing the mighty men were going through that talked about stoning him and they stopped blaming themselves at some point and they turned and started blaming him. But the reaction was totally different. Instead of turning on one another, they turned to God, he turned to God and began to encourage himself in the middle of discouraging circumstances. Now, here's where I want to go. I want to talk to you for just a few minutes left about the power of a little bit of hope. The power of a little bit of hope. There's a doctor, and you can research it, who, who, who studied people who had been through Tremendous setbacks in life, divorces or abuses or rapes or, or, or bankruptcy or losing everything. And he did this, this study. And here's how he did this study. This, and he came up with a term called learned helplessness. Learned helplessness. This is a psychological term. Now listen to this. What, it, what they did is they noticed how that people in India trained elephants. They get them when they're little. They, they, they take a chain and put it on their leg and it's chained to a post to cement it in the ground and that little baby elephant will go as far as the chain will let it and then it can't go any further. And at some point, it tries over and over and over until it can't go anymore and, and, and it finally stops trying. As the elephant gets bigger and larger and larger, amazingly, they put them in a traveling zoo or something and all it takes is a little stake, a wood stake driven into the ground with a piece of rope on its ankle. This massive elephant, half the size of the stage that I'm on, he will walk. And when he feels the tug of that rope, he will stop because mentally he's learned what they call learned helplessness. I give up. I'm not even going to try even though he's mighty enough to just fling his leg and he could go anywhere he wanted to go, but they have learned helplessness. They said in the same study that they took, they took rats and they put rats in water. Now listen to this. And those rats were swimming and they swam for 10 minutes and then they drowned. He got some more rats. I don't know where he got them. He might have got them from New York. I'm not sure where he got them. But, but, but he got rats, and he put them in water again. And this time, at about nine and a half minutes, those rats were just really holding themselves. And you could see the panic. You could see that they knew they were about to go under the water. And at nine and a half minutes, he reaches in and pulls them out and dries them off and feeds them and gets them comfortable. And they stay there for about an hour or so. Listen. He put them back in the water, and this time they didn't swim 10 minutes, they swam 18 minutes. And then they started getting that panicky look, and so he pulls them out, and he puts them, gets them warm and takes care of them and puts them back in the same tank of water, and they swam 30 minutes. He keeps doing this, and literally those rats swam 37 hours. And this psychologist said, if you can learn helplessness, you can learn optimism and hope. And the rats have come to preach to you this morning that if you can get a little bit of hope, 
You can keep on swimming. You can keep on believing. You can stay in faith. But sometimes you just need a little bit of hope. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. The, the smallest level of faith, first blank you need to fill in, is hope. The smallest level of faith is hope. Faith is not mountain moving faith at first. It just starts with you're hoping for something. You're hoping to see your kid get off drugs. You're hoping that your marriage is going to get better. You're hoping that a door is going to open. You're hoping that you're going to meet somebody that will love God as much as you. You're hoping that you're going to get a job in this economy. Faith in its smallest Embryo stage begins with hope. You cannot lose hope. It's the power of a little bit of hope. The thing, I believe those little rats got to thinking at nine and a half minutes the second time, you know what? We're just going to keep on swimming because I know from experience there's a hand that's going to reach in. And when I can't take it anymore, it's going to take me out. It's going to provide for me. It's going to comfort me. And every time they would get to the point of the voice saying, give up, they made a decision. I'm not going to lay down to helplessness. I know there's a hand that's going to lift me up again. If he saved you before, he'll save you again. If if he's provided for you before, he'll provide for you again. Take a praise break and give God a shout of praise. Now watch this. I'm sorry if I'm screaming, especially to those of you at the front, but you'll be all right. You okay? All right. So then the military took this man's study and they spent $145 million developing a program for soldiers who had been through tremendous, uh, dramatic experiences, maybe losing limbs or, 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 or all kinds of battle situations or addictions. And they spent $145 million to come up with this program. Uh, a university in South Carolina and West, West Point uh, Science, they all came up with this thing called PERMA. And you've got the outline. And let me give it to you, and I promise I can do it in seven minutes. Let's see, I've got five points. I can do it in seven minutes. Are you ready? Say, I'm going to get something out of this. Say, I'm glad I'm in church right now. All right, are you ready for this? Now, now what got me is it took them $145 million. Now, I'm not putting it down. It's amazing. But everything that they came up with is right out of the Scripture, and it's called PERMA. It's an acronym P-E-R-M-A. The program is called PERMA. You can look this up. And it represents five things that has to happen. Look at me, everybody. For somebody who's had a setback to have a comeback. America has had a setback. Every family under the sound of my voice has had a setback. Probably we've been living in hell for six months, ladies and gentlemen. How many of you have had setback after setback? Well, here's how you come back from a setback. It's called PERMA. And the P represents positive emotions. They talked about how that if a person is going to come out of the depression and out of the trauma and out of the pain and out of just talking about it all the time and what happened and what, how bad it was, they've got to get in their life in the midst of trauma and crisis, positive emotions. 
and they don't call it this, but I want to tell you what positive emotions are. It's called the joy of the Lord. Nehemiah chapter 8 said in Psalm 16, he shows me the path of life and at his right hand in his presence is fullness of joy and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. He said in Jeremiah chapter 15 that his word was sent to me and it was a rejoicing in my heart for I am called by his name. The way that you get positive emotions is you begin to focus and this is what they said in the study that blew my mind. They said you must, you must, it helps to find a hero character much like in Greek mythology, this is what the study says, of someone who went into Hades, went through hell, came out, and shows you how to live. And I'm sitting there reading that, and I'm thinking, my God, I know somebody who went to hell and came out of hell and shows me how to live. And they said, in doing that, you can find a new identity. Well, I've come to preach today that there is one who is able to give you joy. In John, the 17th chapter, or the 16th chapter, Jesus said, the joy that I give you shall remain in yourself. He said, may it remain in, he prayed to the Father. He said, Father, let the joy that I give them remain inside of them. You can have joy all by yourself. Listen to me this morning. I refuse to let any of you precious people leave here with those negative, defeated, beat up emotions. It's time for some positive emotions called the joy of the Lord is my strength. How many of you would love, now, now I'm going to tell you the next point is how you get into it. How many of you would like to have positive emotions again? Get up with a smile again. Instead of growling at each other, say hello, good morning. Positive emotions. The second thing is called engagement. They actually said that, and they used this word. They, say, they said, if you're going to overcome, you cannot keep isolated. At some point, you've got to engage. At some point, you got to come off of the bench and get in the game of life again. At some point, you've got to quit soaking in your sorrows and licking your wounds, and you've got to get up and engage. And then they, they actually say this in that study, PERMA. They, the guy on the part of engagement uses these words, you got to get back in the flow. And I thought, well, that's the flow of worship. We've got to engage the presence of God again. We can't let these singers this morning do all the praising. We've got to engage the presence of God. And when I engage in praise, when I engage his presence, I engage my hope. I engage my faith. I engage my will to keep going and to believe. I'm saying to somebody that you're closer than you think you are to your breakthrough. And you almost felt like giving up. And you probably still are questioning in your mind, it's been so long, it's never going to change but the Lord sent me to tell you about the rats this morning that they kept on swimming because they knew there was a faithful hand that had always provided and it's not going to fail you now. It will deliver your children, your family, your home, your business. God is on the throne. But we've got to engage him in worship. So here's how we do that. 
This is how I fight my battles. That's why you have to turn people off and you just lift those hands and when they sing it in another moment, we're going to sing it and we're going to engage the presence of God. The third thing that the R stands for is relationships. God says at some point, or this psychologist says it, but the Bible backs it up. He didn't know he was preaching a good sermon outline. That if you're going to come back from your setback, You've got to get to a place that you develop relationships with people again. Get your relationships strong. We need each other. One can put a thousand to flight, two, ten thousand. If any two of you will agree, I need you. I need you. You need me. The devil's always done. Isn't he dividing us? Isn't he tearing us to pieces? I don't care where you come from or what you like or you don't like. I need you. Turn to somebody and mumble through your mask. I need you. I need this. Relationships. The R, P-E-R, relationships. The M stands for mission. If you're going to overcome your setback and have a comeback, you got to have a little bit of hope like the rat. But at some point, you need a mission. You need something bigger than yourself. There it is. The church. The kingdom. The cross. If you're going to get past that divorce and the hurt, if you're going to get past that, that failure, if you're going to get past that addiction, you need a mission. And he said, I know the plans that I have for you, plans of good and not evil, to give you hope and to give you a future. You've got a mission, young people. You've got a mission, teenagers. God has not changed his mind about your calling and your purpose just because COVID has hit. You're still going to do everything God called you to do. Don't you lose hope. Don't you say, well, the world's all messed up and everything's messed up and college is messed up and school is messed up. I promise you, God's going to fix it. Just keep on swimming, little rat. Almost done. But the last one, the A stands for accomplishments. Got to have some wins. You need a fresh victory. When you just get hit, 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 kicked, and beat up, and beat down, and you go to work, and all hell breaks loose. You come home, and all hell breaks loose. You get an IRS letter. You get this. You get that. And it's like, good God, you just need a little accomplishment. I just need one little sign that you're with me, Lord. Bible said we are more than conquerors. You know what a conqueror is? Let me give you a hypothetical. A conqueror is somebody who, let's say you lived in the poorest neighborhood in a pitiful house, drugs, violence, immorality, maybe didn't have anybody in your whole family that made it out. 
you became a conqueror. You went to school. You stayed in school. You graduated. Went to college. Fought your way through. Kicked loose. Learned optimism instead of helplessness. Got a little bit of hope and kept on swimming. And got all the way out. And now you got a big old house and you're blessed beautiful family. That's a conqueror. But can I tell you what is more than a conqueror? A conqueror is when you get out. More than a conqueror is when you go back in. And you say, I'm going right back to the hell hole that I came out of. I'm going to buy that old drug house and I'm going to turn it into a rehab and I'm going to grab all these people who say they can't get out and I'm going to pluck them out and pull them out because I'm more than a conqueror. I'm not just coming out. I'm going back in and pulling somebody out. Come on and shout right there. You missed a good chance. How many of you were former alcoholics? Let me see your hand. How many of you were former drug addicts? You couldn't, you couldn't shake it. Your mama and everybody thought there's no way you'll ever change. But you know what God's going to do? You're going to be a conqueror, but he's not going to stop there. You're going to be more than a conqueror, and you're going to see accomplishments like you never dreamed. Clap your hands and praise God if you believe Some of you who were raised in absolute poverty. God has blessed you for a purpose. And you're going to go right back and tell your story. And you're going to say, because God did it for me. If you'll get a hold of a little hope, and this hope is Jesus, you can make it. You can make it. You can make it. So I got to close with these two verses. Here they are. You're not going to believe this verse. Zechariah chapter 9 says this. Because of the blood of my covenant, I will set your prisoners free. Return to the stronghold, verse 12, you prisoners of hope. Prisoners of of hope. For today I declare that I will restore double unto you. He said, listen to that phrase. If you will become in the hardest times of life a prisoner of hope. Now usually what people do is they become prisoners of fear, prisoners of wounds. The prisoner means you're chained to it. It goes with you everywhere. Fear, worry, anxiety. You're a prisoner. But he said, I'm going to have a people who when they get in a crisis, they become prisoners of hope. Everywhere I go, I'm dragging hope. You mean you believe your family's going to live for God? Yes, I'm a prisoner of hope, and he's promised me that. You mean you believe that by his stripes you are healed? Yes, 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 I do because I'm a prisoner of hope. You're either going to be a prisoner of worry and fear or a prisoner of hope. And then this last verse. How many parents ever got out there? Let me see your hand. How many of you have burdens for your children? Let me see your hand. Keep the hand right there. Now put it down and watch this. Boy, you're getting a word from the Lord right here. Watch this. In Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 31, 
he says this, for your work shall be rewarded, says the Lord. Your work of praying with them, bringing them to church. And they shall return from the land of the enemy. Speaking of your children, there is hope for your future, says the Lord, verse 17, that your children will come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope in your future for your children will come back from the land of the enemy. Stand up on your feet. I want you now to do something. I want you to turn the people off around you for just about five more minutes. And would you raise your hands high to heaven and would you engage the presence of God? Engage positive emotions. There is a flow of optimism and hope. Swim a little longer. Swim a little longer. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning, you're here because God wanted to hear you to hear this message. If you're watching me right now online, God wanted you, and we know you're there by the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, amazing every week. Wherever you are around the world, if you just feel like all hope is gone, that's really what I felt today. I felt when I got up this morning, somebody's burden. Somebody's hopelessness. Somebody who's facing such dark times that you can't, you can't seem to get out of it. There's nothing you have that, that can get you out of it. I'm telling you, there's a hand coming. You're a prisoner of hope now. The power of a little bit of hope is going to keep you swimming till your deliverance comes and it is coming. But if you're sinking in a pit of addiction and maybe during the COVID you've just turned back to things that God set you free from you feel so empty this morning you need that, that, that positive emotion of joy and identity in Christ you need a mission something bigger than yourself you need just a little cup I need a breakthrough I need a win starts with making Jesus Lord of your life. Pastor, I don't know that he's Lord this morning, but I want him to be Lord of my life. Would you pray for me? I won't embarrass you. I'll pray for you right where you're standing. But he only comes where he's invited. And when you raise your hand, it's your invite into, to him into your situation. So pastor, pray for me. You're preaching to me. I need that hope. I need that forgiveness. I need that change in my life. If that's you, boldly raise your hand. I want to see it all across this yard. Amazing, amazing. Oh, praise God. Oh, that's beautiful. Just keep your hand raised just high right where you're standing. God sees every one of those precious hands and all of you watching on the line or by television this morning. You can dial the number or you can click on there and send us where you are in your prayer request and we'll pray with you. Let's pray this prayer all over this grounds this morning. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, you're the hope of the world. We're prisoners of hope because we believe Messiah is coming again. Jesus is coming again. We believe the hope of the world is Christ in us.
the hope of glory. So today we're going to keep on swimming. We're going to keep on praising. We're going to keep on standing in faith. Come on. We're going to keep on claiming our families. We're going to keep on believing the Bible because we're prisoners of hope. We will not lay down to helplessness. We're more than conquerors. And I receive forgiveness. And I receive salvation in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching by Jensen Franklin. And thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Your prayers and financial support make these programs possible. For more information about this message and other ministry resources, visit us online at jensenfranklin.tv.